So it's not often if you live in Victoria that you take a day trip to Vancouver, sometimes for a special occasion and so forth. But yesterday was a bit of a special occasion. So uh, we got up, my wife and I, in the morning and we headed out to the ferry and we went to Vancouver and we had lunch, which was great. And then I headed into town to meet up with some friends to go see a soccer match. That's why I went to Vancouver yesterday to see Team Canada play Team Panama. Originally, we were going to go see Iran play Canada. Of course, that match was canceled uh, in a furor, a political furor, after, of course, it was uh, pointed out that Iran might not be the best opponent to choose for a friendly just two years after uh, a plane carrying many Canadian citizens was shot down uh, in Tehran or over Tehran uh, by the Revolutionary Guard, of course, <laughs> the, the government essentially. Uh, so Panama was the replacement. So we got tickets to go see Panama. Then about an hour and a half, two hours before the game was meant to be played, there were people all over the place, slowly coming towards BC Place to watch this. Lots of families, lots of kids wearing their shirts. You know, that it's a great atmosphere. This was supposed to be a celebration. Canada hadn't played, Team Canada, the men's team, hadn't played in BC since 2019, in Vancouver at least. And, um, you know, they'd qualified for the World Cup. People at West, big soccer fans, hadn't seen this team in a long time. This is an exciting team full of big names. So everyone was really uh, excited about this. Lo and behold, no game. The fan, players are on strike. There's a dispute with Soccer Canada. We're not playing. End of story. Now, a soccer friendly is a bit like a church picnic. This isn't incredibly difficult stuff to figure out how to do. You're not organizing a full-on tournament. It's not the World Cup. It's not the European Cup. It's nothing big. It's one game against an opponent of your choosing. All you have to do is invite them, make sure they have a place to stay and a place to play and show up and play against them. Pretty straightforward stuff. You even have stadiums to do it in. But no, it didn't happen. Um, the players put out a statement saying that um, they decided not to play the game because negotiations over a new deal had been unnecessarily prolonged, quote unquote, uh, by Soccer Canada. Went on to say, quote, it's time we take a stand for the future of soccer in Canada, noting that talks over this dispute began back in March. Then late in the day, Soccer Canada's president, Nick Bontis, had this to say. Canada soccer is very disappointed the men's national team players' decision to refuse to play today. We would like to firstly apologize to all of our Canada soccer fans and reaffirm our gratitude to you for your continued support. I am sorry that this game did not occur today. Canada soccer has been working with the players in good faith to find a path forward that is fair and equitable to all. We would like to have a facts-based discussion within the fiscal reality that Canada soccer has to live with every day. All right. So we'll get into what the issue is, but if you're Canada soccer or soccer Canada, you do not let a game be canceled two hours before kickoff with fans. You've already sold the tickets. You've already had to cancel a friendly because you picked the wrong opponent or didn't pay attention to the geopolitical scene and picked the wrong team to come visit, causing a furor. You then replace that opponent, invite fans back to come see the game, and you cancel it again. So we wanted to find out, I wanted to find out what happened. So joining me now is John Molinaro. He's a soccer reporter and founder of tfcrepublic.ca. The site covers Toronto FC and the Canadian men's and women's national teams. John, thank you for your time tonight. Sure, no problem. I see we have a bit of a breakthrough this evening. At least the players are training again. What's what's happened? 
Yeah, so the players uh, and both the Canada Soccer both issued a statement saying that while no agreement has been uh, agreed upon, that the, that the players have agreed to return to training today ahead of uh, the game against Curacao on Thursday. So um, that to me suggests that, you know, at least that they're talking and some progress is made, even though no deal is in place. So that's uh, certainly a positive. John, you've you watched a lot of soccer. I, I've watched a lot of soccer over the years. Just how rare is it for a friendly to be called off two hours before game time with fans, tickets already purchased, fans already showing up? Yeah, so in the world of soccer, it's not terribly uh, out of the ordinary for teams to sort of threaten to go on strike shortly before a game. Um, I, re- I can recall during the World Cup qualifiers that El Salvador's national team was a, did a similar thing with their FA um, and that was, as I said, that was during like a competitive match and woke up qualifying and it ended up getting resolved and, and the strike didn't end up happening. So this kind of thing does happen a bit in terms of an actual game getting canceled and, you know, players actually going on strike. Uh, it's far less, um, f- f- it happens a lot less, uh, often, but, uh, not totally unexpected as this has happened before. Still, uh, you know, given the fact that the Iran friendly had already been canceled, this was really a makeup game, um, trying to try and trying to get something into this window, trying to get fans to come and see this team. Uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of people, a lot of fans suffered for this, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. I mean, my, I feel especially bad for the people in BC and Vancouver because they haven't seen the men's team since I think 2019. So, I mean, that's a long way to a long time to go without seeing the men's team. And Vancouver is such a hotbed, BC in general, is such a hotbed for the game. And so, you know, to go that long without seeing the national team, this was going to be a, you know, somewhat of a triumphant return. And to see it botched so badly, um, you know, <laughs> I can understand why there's a lot of uh, disheartened fans out on the West Coast. Absolutely. So who's left holding the bag here? I know the dispute itself is relatively complicated, uh, right. but what's behind the dispute? And if a game gets called off, who's to blame? Well, I think there's equal blame to go around here. I mean, first of all, you know, I appreciate the position of the players because they're fighting for you know their rights and what they feel feel is fair and equitable and they want to get paid and they want to cash in on this incredible success they've, they've had. I just wonder if, you know, actually refusing to, to train and play that game and forcing the cancellation was the right way to go. It seems like a rather um, nuclear option to take, um, you know, to go that far. And, you know, you can't, I can't help but wonder if they could have, you know, agreed to talk behind the scenes and continue to negotiate in good faith uh, and, you know, play this game. Uh, but obviously they felt they were in a put, put in a position that the, that that wasn't an option for them. As far as the CSA concerns, I think they have to shoulder a lot of the blame for this. Um, they really only started negotiating over, you know, the payment scheme with, uh, with the Canadian men's team back in March, just as they were wrapping up their qualifying uh, process for the World Cup. To me, that's outrageous. I mean, this should have been, they should have anticipated the way that the qualifying campaign was going. Surely they could have seen that Canada was trending in the right direction and that a trip to Qatar was likely going to happen. It should have begun months before that, and then it should have been wrapped up, signed, sealed, and delivered by the time they officially clinched the World Cup spot uh, when they beat Jamaica here in Toronto in, in March. The fact that they'd only begun the discussions right around then, and then it was only on Friday in Vancouver that they actually tabled an offer to the Canadian men's team. Um, 
that's outrageous. I mean, that, that's just poor timing. That's poor foresight. That's poor planning on Canada soccer's part. So what are the players looking for here? Uh, for listeners who might not know what this fight is about, uh, what, are, what are the players asking for and what is uh, Canada soccer not giving them, at least not yet? Yeah, so it's a multi-layered sort of, sort of demands that they have here. I mean, the most thing is that if, if for anyone who saw the letter that they released via social media yesterday, it's clear that they want some sort of respect here because they feel clearly disrespected by Canada soccer and the way, been, the way they've been treated, not just with regards to this situation, but I think years of, there's been years of bad blood brewing between the players and Canada soccer, and they just want to be dealt with in a more professional way, have a bigger seat at the table in terms of how things are determined um, and just have, you know, have more knowledge about, you know, the, the business side of things and how things work and they want sort of more transparency. So that's one thing. I think the, the major sticking point is money in the sense that, you know, every team that competes at the World Cup, regardless of how far you go in the tournament, you're guaranteed a certain amount of prize money from FIFA. Now, the further you go along in the tournament, the more money you collect. So as it stands, I believe from according to reports, just for qualifying for the World Cup, Canada should get around $10 million US. That money doesn't go directly to the players. It goes to Canada soccer. It's then up to Canada soccer to, do, to decide how it wants to divvy it up. And usually play, team, national teams will go into negotiations with their, with their associations well ahead of time and negotiate what percentage of that prize money that the players are going to get. The players have come out and said they want 40%. Um, when Nick Bontis, the Canadian soccer president, um, held his press conference yesterday in Vancouver, he said that's not tenable. That's just not – it would giving them – agreeing to that sort of a deal would not make economic sense for Canada soccer, and it would, it would no longer allow them to fund sort of the other programs outside of, you know, the men's and women's national teams. And it's important to remember that, you know, Canada soccer, it's, it's not just the men's and women's sides. It's also, you know, the under-20 sides and the youth teams and, you know, programs for referees and player development and the Paralympic team. So there's a lot of money that has to be spent on a variety of programs. But it, that makes no sense. If you, That means you would have to presuppose that they knew that we're, the men's team was going to qualify for the World Cup and thus the windfall. Well, that's sort of the issue that I raised. I mean, I mean, it's, it's you know, they make it sound like, but for the fact that the, they make it sound as though that, you know, how do, how do I say this? They, they, I mean, surely they could have, they had, surely that they were going to continue to fund these programs in 2020 and beyond, even if they hadn't, even if, if, if the men hadn't qualified for the World Cup. So this money that they're getting, it's newfound money. It's a new pot of money. It's not like it's the players are asking for money out of the existing budget. It, this is new money that has sort of been bonus to them, to the Can Canadian Soccer Association, unless Canada Soccer is saying that they've been so mismanaged and they're so poorly in debt that, you know, th they have nothing left in the budget, which um, if that is the case, then, that, then we've got larger problems here. And, sh and the question should be, should be uh, asked of, you know, the Canada Soccer's, you know, management style and competency. It's hard to imagine having bigger problems uh, than, than blowing two friendlies in less than two weeks, but but or at least two different friendlies on the same day in less than two weeks. But uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, John Molinaro is a soccer reporter and founder of TFCRepublic.ca. We're talking about the Canadian men's national team uh, calling off a friendly at the very last minute on Sunday in Vancouver. They were meant to play Team Panama. Uh, tickets were sold. Fans had come from across the country, across the province to see the game. And just hours before kickoff, it was, uh, was cancelled over a dispute uh, between the players and 
and the Canadian Soccer Federation. Uh, when we come back, we'll just talk a bit more about the impact on the team because they are meant to be getting ready for a World Cup here. And also just the impact on Canada's international reputation because soccer is an international game. So this got international coverage uh, when it was called off with lots of people asking what's going on in the Great White North. We'll be back with that. Speaking with John Molinaro, he's a soccer reporter and founder of TFCRepublic.ca. We're talking about Team Canada's, uh, the men's team's decisions yesterday not to play a friendly against Team Panama uh, in Vancouver. That was a game that was actually a makeup, not a makeup game, but a replacement game for the game that was supposed to be played against Team Iran. That was called off because of a number of things, politics being one of the main ones. Uh, John, when you look at, the, I mean, this was really, as you mentioned, this was really meant to be a celebration of the team qualifying for the World Cup. And instead, it's turned into anything but. It's turned into this sort of public relations nightmare. Um, will it do damage to the team itself? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think the, the damage is more will be more in terms of, you know, the Canadian Soccer Association and its international reputation. You would have to think that the rest of the confederations around the world, it hasn't escaped their attention that Canada soccer had to cancel two games in the matter of two weeks. And that should they call the, get a call from them in the future about arranging a friendly, uh, they're going to be pretty leery about agreeing to uh, accept a date to play Canada, knowing that their reputation of canceling games. Uh, and, you know, with this sort of growing labor dispute. So, the question in terms of the damage, I think, is more, for me, it's more about the reputation and what it means for Canada soccer. I think this makes things very difficult for them uh, going forward. And they've got a lot of sort of um, uh, PR uh, sort of work to do. As far as the national team concern is concerned, um, I think the damage is, is, is in that it's one less date for them to play going into the World Cup, right? I mean, you only have two international one deals, one in June and one in September, to play warm-up games before going up to Qatar. They were supposed to play three games in June, and they're supposed to play two in, in, in September. Instead of five games, they're only going to play four. That might not seem a lot in the green scheme of things, but it really is when you think about it that, you know, Coach John Herdman, he only gets to see these players for a limited period of time. You can't forget that these guys are professionals. They have professional careers and with the, they're with their club teams. So any time that he can get them together, whether it's for a training session or an actual game competitive or national friendly, it's like gold to him because he has such limited access to them. So the fact that they have lost one sort of game uh, out of this international window, it's a big sort of detriment and a big blow to their World Cup preparations. I don't think there's any question about that. I get the sense that fans will be forgiving here uh, because the team is so popular right now and so much fun to watch. Even people who aren't from Canada talk to me about Team Canada and how great they are. Uh, but this can't be good for the fans either in some senses because it leaves a bitter taste. If you, it, It's certainly out West. Uh, you know, this can't be good for, for the reputation. It, it takes a bit of the shine off what was supposed to be a glorious summer for this team. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any, any you know, doubt about that. I mean... People out west were, you know, justifiably, you know, pretty, um, you know, juiced for this game, right? I mean, they hadn't seen them play in Vancouver for three years. And, you know, they get the, the rug pulled out for them once after selling out BC Place for the Iran game and getting, you know, having to sort of go through the refund process. I'm not even sure that the, all the refunds have been given out yet so far. I don't think so. No, I don't think yeah, okay, well, so. Tickets to both who hasn't been refunded yet. Yeah. Well, there you go. And then, you know, they hastily arranged this Panama game and, you know, they think, okay, well, like at least we're going to get a game in uh, and, you know, they get their hopes up again. And again, they get their the rug pulled out from them. So 
yeah, this is not a good look for Canada soccer. I mean, if you're just from a customer relations point of view, I mean, this is disastrous. I mean, no business would sort of run its, uh, you know, day-to-day operation like this and expect to be in business for very long. So um, again, I think there's a lot of work to do for Canada soccer to sort of repair the relationship with its fan base over how it's handled uh, these two friendlies in Vancouver. Do you see any changes coming at the at the top with either Nick Bontis or, or anyone at top? Is is our heads going to roll here? In other words, I'm a diehard cynic, and I say no. I think this is just going to sort of be, uh, you know, business as usual. They will cut the deal with uh, you know the men's team and f- figure out a contract in terms of the payment thing. But in terms of long term ramifications, just knowing that the way that the Canada you know Canada soccer is operated, I mean, it's taken. Change happens there like at a glacier sort of rate, right? I mean, things never move quickly. And it, there's institutions there where just people stay in forever. And it's really hard to make, you know, a seed change within the organization. I, I you know, it, it pains me to say, and, and as, as I said, I'm a, I'm a cynic about this just because I've covered the, the, the national team for so long that I've seen it, that, um, you know, if history is any indication, we're not going to see wholesale changes about this or any changes in the culture of, of way, how the way of how Canada soccer operates in any substantive way. Which could be part of the problem, no doubt. John Molinaro, thank you so much for your time tonight. Sure, you're welcome. Anytime.